0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome into to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti, along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, this is the special realignment version of our show. If you're talking realignment, you got a lot to talk about, don't you?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if the right term is realignment. I, I think you can use the word consolidation, chaos. Uh, it's crazy, but I think consolidation, realignment is is the right term. It is, it's changing, it has changed, and it's moving very fast, Jimmy.
1: It really is, and what I want to do now that the dust has settled a bit, Andy, is let's look at the overall picture and the ramifications of it. It's not just, okay, USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, now in the Big Ten, so we're going to have to start talking in those terms, but I also want to talk about what now? What are the other things that people didn't think about? Obviously, those Pac-12 schools— that are now coming to the Big Ten, their thought process was financial survival. You know, that's pretty obvious. So let's start with the Pac-12 and the absolute implosion of the conference. There is essentially no more Pac-12, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's four schools left. And as of today, when we're talking, the conference is basically like, we're done. You know, I last week saw, you know, USC and UCLA started it by jumping to the Big Ten earlier. And then Washington, Oregon and, you know, four other schools, four other, excuse me, four other schools went to the pack to the Big 12, Washington and Oregon came, came into the Big Ten and it just completely Fell apart. You can tell that the conference has been mismanaged, uh, you know, athletically, particularly from a football perspective. I'd say at least half a decade, you know, moving towards a decade. And the Pac 12 sort of put its eggs in the financial basket of new media, right? Like that's what they were counting on to be possibly one step ahead of everybody else. And despite there being new media in today's market, it hasn't moved as fast as they might have technologically thought it would in terms of, you know, streaming contracts being worth as much as, you know, traditional television contracts, or at least somewhere in the same neighborhood. But they had clearly come up short on that, on their estimation of that. And the, the, the television contract money itself wasn't really interested in much beyond USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. They would put the Oregon States and the Washington States and the Cows and the Stanford, they would put those on, but what they really wanted was the big four schools, and I th- think the Pac-12 underestimate, underestimated that. Excuse me. And, man, one, once... Once USC and UCLA left, you could see there was potential handwriting on the wall because they didn't have a television contract. The money matters.
1: Well, the thing, though, you mentioned that it's important is the mismanagement. About a year or so ago, it was the Big 12 that was on its knees crumbling. Big 12 reached out to the Pac-12 for some kind of merger. The Pac-12 was like, no way. They no way. thought they were in the better position. Yep. Well, it didn't take long. The Pac-12 uh, angled it, jumped ahead of the Pac-12 for their television contract, got it done. The Pac-12 could not match that with the television contract with the Big 12 was getting, and in fact, you know, you mentioned that they thought they were getting ahead of the curve with new media with streaming. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as they were stuck with streaming as their only option because standard TV was not there for them. So they blew it. They were trying to sell it that way. And it's amazing to me how in one week I read where they were actually talking about grant of rights for a while and sticking together But it didn't take, when they showed the potential TV deal with Apple, it was not good enough. It was very risky, and you just had so much more money available. If you are, you know, Oregon and Washington, you jump on the Big Ten money, even though you're starting out with, say, like almost like a half share in the Big Ten, that's still more money than they would have gotten in the Pac-12, and in a few years, they'll be a full-share member. And the other schools that left for the Big 12, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, they were put in a position. They had no choice, Andy. They had to do it.
2: Yeah, they they were literally left with no choice. The, the interesting thing is if you look at some of this consolidation realignment part, if you think back to when Texas and Oklahoma said they were going to the SEC and leaving the big 12. Literally the next thing you started to see, you expected to happen was the big 12 would crumble, right? That was the general consensus, right? The big 12 has been crippled. They're now on their knees. I'll tell you what, nobody has done a better job in this changing market, in my opinion, than those that are running the big 12 conference. They've kept themselves a power conference, They understood what, you know, what has gone and who they are, but the opportunities that they have, especially with the expansion of the college football playoffs, they solidified their television contracts, right? They made themselves viable in in terms of, you know, you could call it, it's a second tier television contract, but it's still more money and enough money to spread it around. And they started strategically and smartly, You know, building a conference is basically shopping on a budget with leftovers, right? And they've put together, it's not ideal, but none of these, you know, consolidated conferences look very normal the way we we understand college football to be because it's not that way anymore. But they've done a really good job of keeping themselves viable.
1: They did. And by the way, the commissioner's name is Brett Yormark, who's doing that job. You hit the highlights, Andy, and they did have a little bit of an advantage being kind of in the Midwest. They could reach more different schools. They're not like stuck on the West Coast where any additions would seem really awkward. But they did a great job bringing in BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and Houston. And each one of those teams has made a mark on the national college scene in the last generation or so, I mean, Cincinnati, right. they made a playoff, right? And Central Florida yeah. did also, I believe, remember a couple years ago, undefeated team. Houston has some good teams. I think you and I are, you know, one, one of the few who remember BYU actually was a co-national champion in our lifetime. Correct. Has a good school as far as athletics goes. So... They did a great job bolstering the roster. They jumped up ahead to get their television contract done early. Yep. They did everything right that the Pac twelve did wrong. Now, you know, speaking still about the Pac twelve and those teams, Andy, what about the negative repercussions for those schools? It was obvious USC UCLA coming to the Big Ten. Financially, great decision on their part, and they're getting full shares right away. But for Oregon and Washington, what about the negatives to this change for those teams, Andy?
2: So Oregon and Washington were, they were, the universities being a part of the Pac-12 athletically, they were stuck in a bad spot. They had to decide whether it was Big 12 money, Big 10 money. That's kind of what it came down to which, which one was a better, you know financially was better for their university. Competitively, I, I don't think you could you could have looked at it that way. Um, I think yet they, they looked at it from the money perspective because the money matters, right? Like we know that. and we acknowledge that and we recognize that. But I, I think they strictly made a financial
1: decision. And, well, they did, Andy, but I, I think we all know that. But there's the downside to this move also oh, yeah. for them. The, being in the Big Ten competitively
2: makes it, especially as football conference, it, it's 5X it's five, five more difficult to be a program considered at the next level playing inside the Big Ten already. And joining that conference makes it more difficult for them to stand out by a mile. It's, it's a very, very difficult conference to make any headway in, especially in football, at the, at the next level. So I think they, I think they become an, more of an also-ran program, but I see it as a disadvantage, but I think the conference will turn it into an advantage for them because it opens up a late West Coast window that is going to be another financial windfall, I think, for the Big Ten Conference.
1: Does it make sense? I think there's an, another obvious negative, which is the travel that has to go on, for the football teams, especially now that there's four West Coast teams, they're not going to have to travel east as often because they can play each other, and I suspect they'll play each other pretty much every year. But when you look at the other sports, oh yeah, um, basketball and so on, that trip's going to happen way too often. But it leads also to the question. Will, will the Big Ten dip into the Pac-12 shores again? Does it make sense to bring Cal and Stanford in also?
2: Yeah, I, I think you have to look. Where's the Big Ten at? They're at 18 right now as a conference. Do they? How big is too big? How much is not enough to make it financially viable? I think they had to provide... USC and UCLA cover, we had talked about that earlier this year, that they needed more West Coast to provide some you know, help for USC and UCLA. And I think getting Washington and Oregon is that – I don't see right now them needing to add Cal and Stanford to provide even more West Coast. I really don't because it's just – how big is big enough? 18 is a big number right now. Is 20 – That just means, you know, less money for everybody else. And I don't think the other schools are interested in that. 20 feels like a big, big number right now.
1: All right, Andy, that is it for quarter number one. Quarter two, we're going to continue this conversation about realignment. We're going to bring in the ACC and what's going on there because they're also a factor with Cal and Stanford. Stay tuned. TrustStateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're gonna love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.
0: It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy Shea. I'm Jim Galanti. It's quarter number two of our show. And Andy we're talking about realignment we spent most of the first segment talking about the pac-12 and what happened there i do want to hit on you know a couple things there we finished by talking about cal and stanford the potential of them coming to the big ten a couple things to be aware of um fox actually came up with extra money for adding uh washington and oregon So, would they for Cal and Stanford, who, by the way, do have a pretty good TV market where they They are in the Bay Area. They do. But the other thing is the ACC now, and we're going to hit on them, but I thought we could use Cal and Stanford as the segue. They're going to have to make a decision very quickly. Yep. Which means the Big Ten has to make a decision pretty quickly. If the Big Ten does not decide to bring them in – they could very well end up in the ACC. Well, it, it, it looked like,
2: you know, last week leading into it, that the ACC was the most likely landing spot for Cal and Stanford. And it appeared that they had been meeting and talking about that as a conference. And <laughs> as we're sitting here recording this, apparently those talks were going somewhere and now they're going nowhere because they can't figure it out whether they want to take them in or not. I I don't see a – I think if if Fox is going to give you more money and you take another network and you take Cal and Stanford, Fox says, yeah, we'll give you a little bit more money
1: and help you cover that. If I'm the Big Ten, you take them. Why not? Right? You take the money. What, what I find fascinating in the whole thing is – It would help, obviously, the other four West Coast schools give them an opportunity to play. We are, though, approaching having a Pac-12 conference subset within the Big Ten. How long would it be before we'll have multiple divisions, and can't you see a you know, a West Coast division, a Midwest division, an East Division, and you'll hey, let's call that West Coast division the Pac Division, the Pac Six, okay? You know, which would be hilarious if that's where they end up. But Andy, it appears that's where they're headed. It could be. I mean I I
2: I'm I don't know about you, Jimmy. I don't know about, you know, football fans out there, but 18 is a lot of teams in a conference. I mean, you get one champion and if you're looking at 2024 and I know we're going to talk about this later and the, and the expanded college football playoffs, you know, that's not an equitable sort of proposition right now. So I, I think 18, I think the big 10 is they would prefer to be done unless the money tells them that they can't be done. Right. That's my general feeling is they need to be done. We need to be done. We've given, you know, USC and UCLA some partners in the West, some really good ones. And this is about as far as we can go. And unless the money tells us that we have no other choice but to continue to, to, to consolidate.
1: And what you also have to deal with with that many teams, Andy, is the integrity of the conference championship itself. Right, You're at 18 teams. If you play nine conference games, you're only playing half the conference. If you get 20 teams, you're playing less than half the conference. And if it's in just one big, you could have a year where, you know, again, you know, will Michigan, Penn State, uh, Ohio State beat up each other. And all of a sudden you get Washington, who just on this particular year, doesn't have to play the three or four best teams which becomes more likely when you have that many teams I agree there you know you will have a much lesser team with a winning record or a championship record having not played the best in the conference which leads you to think okay now we circle back to splitting them into divisions so we'll see where that heads Now, Andy, I want to shift to the East Coast, to the Atlantic Coast, and the ACC, where they have hanging over them this grant of rights, which is essentially each school signed over their television rights to the conference. It's a a lock them in. They can't leave without losing their television money, and nobody is going to do that. So essentially the ACC teams are locked in for another decade, and you've got Florida State saying out loud what some other schools won't say, which is, we want out. How does this end, Andy? uh,
2: The grant of rights contract is so strong, is a good way to put it, in in a world where each conference is responsible for its own self, right? Like, each conference is making its own decisions. The ACC... And the grant of rights contracts it has with its 15 schools is, is so strong that in a, in this time frame of consolidation, it seems like it's overbearing. Right. But who could have seen this coming? It, it provided safety with a cost. And now that cost is coming to Rue because the safety doesn't matter anymore. Right. Like, in the consolidation area, does the safety factor of it matter anymore, Jimmy? And Florida State's saying out loud, no, it doesn't matter anymore. We want to be able to do what we want to do. And I I think this ends up in a court, Jimmy. I really think it does. Maybe somebody goes and fights it. Maybe two schools reach an agreement and want to fight it. But at the end of the day, I think this becomes a legal battle more than anything else. I think this ends up in, you know, a court of law more than a division, you know, more than, you know, a conference board of trustees making a decision and and changing anything. I really think it does.
1: I've been saying for a while, Andy, that the best way for this to work for the ACC would have enough teams wanting out and able to bail out you know, be attractive enough to other conferences that the majority and my understanding, I could be wrong, is that, hey, if a majority of schools wanted to dissolve the conference, that could happen. The problem with that theory is how many of these ACC schools are attractive now to other conferences? It's obvious. Clemson and Florida State, say, could go to the Southeast Conference But and, you know, I'm sure there's some attraction for North Carolina, Virginia, Duke, but that's not the majority. And you mentioned it earlier. Has the Big Ten reached the point where they're going to say, hey, you know what? No more. We've got enough. Right. We're just diluting, you know, the monies that are going to each school. The Southeast Conference seems to want to stay regional. We're down south. This is what we do. And also, they're looking to maximize their television contracts. So, how many teams would be attractive for them to bring in? I'm not sure there's a way the majority of ACC schools would have a landing spot. So, where do you go from here? Right. I mean, without
2: the grant of rights, with the grant of rights, they don't have anything to offer a conference when they move, right? Like, they're not going to be part of that television contract the old one carries so honestly as you as if you look i think in this era of realignment consolidation the way it's shaking out i think the acc stuck i really do jimmy i think they're stuck i think florida state and a couple others clemson has hasn't said a word they can huff and puff like the big bad wolf and you know say it out loud but at the end of the day, it's not what you say; it's what you do. And they can't. The reason they're huffing and puffing is so loud is they can't do anything about it. The Granite Rights contract holds them to a standard that it's not necessarily the money; it's it's the freedom and the broadcasting of their product that holds them to a standard that they are in agreement with. But they sign the agreement. They don't like it anymore because the landscapes change. They're stuck, Jimmy. I really, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that they took the safety and security and now they're stuck with it. And that's where they're at.
1: Andy, I'm going to say stuck in a bad way. You know, if you're, you know, uh, Florida State and making $30 million a year, but if you were in the Southeast Conference or the Big Ten, you'd be making 70, 80, 90 million a year. Correct. Yes, you are stuck, and it is a problem. And you know we'll talk about this a little more in quarter four. The fascinating thing is probably competitively, the ACC now will be an easier route to the college football playoffs. But, you know, it, that's a lot of money to sacrifice. But it leads me to this: the other thought, Andy. Th- that money is going to tr- uh, have an effect on the team's ability to compete, to do the things you want to do. Correct. Are we headed for what everybody feared, essentially the two big conferences, Big Ten and Southeast Conference?
2: I mean, I I really think we are with the – I don't know when that happens, but there's nothing that says we're not. If the ACC somehow were to break up or disband, or the grant of rights was somehow found a way to get out of it, I think you would have a this would the scenario would be. I just think what would happen would be the SEC and the Big Ten would, you know they would strip the most valuable parts, right? Like those two conferences would strip the most valuable parts and the big 12 and maybe the mountain West, I doubt it. But the big 12 would pick up some of the leftovers to keep themselves viable. But I mean, you tell me, are there any indicators that this is not going to a, to a two conference power conference say within the next decade? Is there anything that says this is, This isn't the end of change. This is just maybe the
1: beginning. Well, Andy, you know, I think the options are does someone step in and say, wait a minute, let's perhaps you break football off from all the other sports and say, here are the 50, 60 power teams and they do their own thing for football and then they redo the conference structures based on geography and region And we'll end up with something like an NFL model for those very best schools. Is that where we end up? That's a question for another day, Andy. But right now, that's it for quarter two. We got to do some Ask Andy. Stick around for that. truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school team and place you love are you ready to elevate your game day experience then it's time for turnkey tailgating with revel xp you get to tailgate close to beaver stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field revel xp will provide the tent the chairs table even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're gonna love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.
0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. You know what that means. It means it's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions. We ask him of Andy, and he'll pick up a pick out a best question at the end. Best question gets the nice package from 409TailgateClub.com. Quick note while we're talking about this, we have updated the app. If you haven't updated your version of Go to your App Store, hit the update button for it because now uh, your questions I'm now taking from the new version. So you got to get on the new version. And while I mention that, we're going to keep adding different things to the new version. Cool. Some of our friends who have different Penn State stuff, the people like For the Bloggy, um, our good friend T. Frank, who has the YouTube channel. By the way, our show with the, with T. Frank in the week, you now get the video version of it on T. Frank's YouTube, Blue White Illustrated. So we've, and we're going to continue adding things there. So make sure you update your app. All right, Andy, you ready for the questions? Let's go, Jimmy. Let's do it. All right, let's start with... Ken in Colorado says, Andy, I listened with great interest. The segment about reading between the lines about what Coach said and what he might have meant. In a similar vein, during the Big Ten media days, Penn State AD Pat Kraft said he loves Coach Cal Sanders, the wrestling coach, but he said he doesn't ask for anything. My question, do you think that comment was a side jab at Coach Franklin? Uh
2: no. Uh, good question. Uh, it could be perceived as that, but no, because Pat Kraft is a pretty black and white guy. If he had a problem with Franklin or wanted to say something about Franklin, he would say it. Uh, I'm pretty sure you agree, Jimmy. Uh, Pat's not going to mince words. He's not a sort of, you know, passive aggressive mixed message sort of, I'll flank you with a comment kind of guy. If if he had a problem in, with James and he thought it was worthy of public thing, Pat would say it. So I, I don't, and I mean, he's just saying that for the, I think more than anything, he's saying for what the Penn State wrestling program is and the level that they are at, that he doesn't really ask for much. He's actually complimenting Kale in that, he doesn't need much to make greatness, and that's not a slap against Jimmy or against James Franklin. I really don't. I don't see it that way. I, that's interesting, I, but I, I, I don't see it that way.
1: Yeah, I I see where he's headed with it, but I agree with you, Andy. Uh, Pat Craft, James Franklin are too much in line. That, no, that was not a shot at James Franklin. I am very sure of that. All right, let's go to Mark in Murraysville, who said, I've heard the Big Ten is looking into adding... This question came in before uh, Oregon and Washington hit the uh, made the transfer, but he said, I heard the Big Ten is looking to add the four Pac-12 schools, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. Adding Oregon and Washington makes a lot of sense. Why aren't they considering Utah and Arizona State, which are both AAU schools, which is an academic thing, They're good TV markets and have good athletic programs, arguably better than Stanford and Cal recently on the football field and basketball court. What are your thoughts? So essentially he's saying, you know, Utah and Arizona State are now in the Big 12. He's saying, why didn't the Big 10 consider those two schools? And he would have taken them over Stanford and Cal, who are still free agents.
2: Stanford and Cal is a better TV market, money, money, money. That's simply it. And at the end of the day, the Big Ten got the two marquee schools, right, which were Washington and Oregon. In other words, they're a top feeder. They're in the consolidation era of college football. The Big Ten is a a top feeder. So they don't have to make those considerations. It's about the money and about the marquee. And Stanford and Cal would have brought a bigger market and more money, And Washington and Oregon were the marquees. That's where the Big Ten's at. And 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 I I understand it. But his point is valid.
1: But you also got to be careful of recency bias. I know that's part of these decisions. And if this realignment was going on five years ago, Stanford probably would already be in the Big Ten. Because obviously the academics, the market, but at the time, athletically they were so competitive their football team was really good you know so there is some recency to this but utah i believe uh our listener uh mark is thinking about the two rose bowl appearances by utah the last two sure. years project forward and i wonder how many more rose bowls or uh, playoff appearances now they would have let's go to brian in georgia who says love the show guys with the new media rights deals, how much will Penn State get in, say, 2025? And then when the new deal is negotiated in 2030, what is your guess for the newcomers, Oregon and Washington? Could I help on this one, Andy? Go ahead, Jimmy. <laughs> All right. Um, the talk of the current contract, so the 2025 is somewhere around $80 million, Could could end up more. Um uh, and to just give you a little bit of perspective, the Big 12's deal was for $30 million. So you're talking about twice as much. Now, the question about um, Oregon and Washington uh, coming in, and he said, what would their share be in 2030? I've read some things. They're coming in at probably like a half share now, so maybe 30 to $40 million initially, which is more than they would have gotten with a Pac-12 TV deal. But the understanding is they would be getting a full share by 2030. Right. So, you know, this is the low end that half share. It's going to end up, they'll be a full share member eventually. That's security that if you're a responsible university administrator, you you can't pass that up, Andy. Nope. Uh, nope. let's see. Matt from Massachusetts says Jim and Andy, I'd like to ask a follow-up question from the Penn state alumni episode about NIL money going to athletes outside of football. Could you please provide some other unseen examples of where the NIL money is going? Andy, I'm going to jump in and field this one also, if you're okay with that. I'm good. (laughs) Okay. Um, for, uh, for your information, Andy, I'm not even sure you're aware of this, I uh, I was honored to speak at the Great Lakes Alumni Chapter of the Penn State Alumni Association last weekend, and I had an absolute blast. The people there were incredible, lots of fun. We did a question and answer period, and these were Penn State alums, and there were some NIL questions. And... Recently, I've had some involvement with Happy Valley United, the major collective at Penn State, and I've learned some things about what the collective does, not just to get money to the football players or even the basketball players, but to the other sports. And they do it in some interesting ways. One of the ways is they get like charitable organizations involved, like the food bank in State College, where the money that goes to the players, they get paid for making appearances. Well, they did some volunteer work with the food bank. So that's where organizations, nonprofit charitable organizations, are actually becoming the beneficiaries of some of the NIL money. And I know as Penn Staters, as a culture, don't seem to be jumping on the NIL. And it's a little tough when all you see with NIL are the news uh, media putting out the players driving Teslas and they're asking me for my money. But some of that money and you can direct your money to the other sports. And there's a lot of Penn State athletes out there who are not even on scholarship, Andy. So. A couple dollars to them does make a difference. So I'm not sure if that answers Matt's question. I hope it does. But there's a little more going on with NIL than just the big money for, you know, the big money football um, ad campaigns and and so on. So, Matt, I hope that answers your question. Let's get to um, Steve, our good friend in Potomac, Maryland. He says, Andy, do you think it's fair that Rutgers and Northwestern make as much money as Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan? Do you think that the more attractive brands will demand more money moving forward, threaten to break off, or kick the lesser value teams out?
2: You you can't do that. If you're a bigger brand value, then it is your responsibility to capitalize on that on your own accord. Like, Maryland can't capitalize on its football brand, the way Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State can. That inherently is up to Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. But if you're part of a team, and then you start layering levels into that team in terms of money and dollars and how it's split, you're not going to have a team for very long, right? So I just think it's unwise to consider that, and it's up to those bigger brands to capitalize on it on their own accord. That's just, that's just my opinion that it's just dangerous to start layering the money based on brands because then, then it becomes subjective instead of objective, right? Like you're a member of the big 10, you get this much money. That's objective. You're a brand and you're making more money. Who's in tier one, who's in tier two and who's in tier three and how do you divide the lines? That's all subjective. So keep it objective. Stay away from subjectivity.
1: The other part to this, Andy, and we don't have enough time to get to another question. So I'll just throw in my two cents is that without the bottom feeders, those are a couple wins. Why do you think out of conference games, you know, teams schedule the way they do? It's about getting more wins. Yes, you want to make the money. You want to have the good big games, Ohio State versus USC. But if Ohio State every week, it's going to be USC, Oregon, Penn State, Michigan, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, those teams would beat each other up. Go ahead. You wanted to add something.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to tear them, then you're right. You have to play each other. So if you're Penn state, you play USC, Washington, Oregon, Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state, say for example, or Wisconsin, there's six games right there. You're not winning those six games. So I agree with you that you need the bottom feeders.
1: Someone needs to be at the bottom. You hope that there's someone other than you. Andy, that's it for quarter three. We're going to name our winner. Start a quarter four. Stay tuned. TrustStateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table... Even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info.
0: We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystonesportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. He's Andy, I'm Jim. We just got done with our Ask Andy segment. Lots of questions there, Andy. You need to pick a winner. Who's it going to be? Sticking
2: with the theme of conference realignment slash consolidation, I'm going to go with Mark in Murraysville. He asked the right question. Why these two over these two and possibly not these two, and these two bring this to the table and these two bring that to the table is a very well thought out question. So, Mark, you're our
1: winner. Very good, Mark. We'll be getting in touch with you. Okay, Andy, let's get back to our realignment conversation. And now what I want to get to is whenever there's major changes anywhere, you always have unintended consequences. And where I want to head is to 2024, when these changes will take place. We know it's going to be a new new world for the Big Ten, Southeast Conference also, It's also the beginning of the 12-team college playoffs. And just as a reminder, here's how that's going to work. They are going to get the six highest-ranked conference champions will get into the playoff. Then they'll have six at-large teams that the playoff committee will vote in. Here's the unintended uh, consequence right off the bat, Andy. The thought was... The five power five conferences would naturally be the five highest ranked conference winners. It's one of the reasons why they got rid of divisions. So you couldn't have a seven and five Purdue upsetting an 11 and one Ohio State and be the Big Ten representative or even worse, fall below and not be one of the top, uh, you know, six conference winners. The thought was the five power five and one from the group of five. Problem is, there's no longer five Power Five conferences. Pac 12 is essentially gone. What that would mean is four Power Five conference champions and two Group of Five champions. And just to finish the thought on that, Andy, I'm using the college football poll for an example. And if you use now, again, this is the preseason poll. You know it'll all be changed. But we had to use something to project Tulane, number 23 ranked Tulane from the All-American Conference, and number 34, Troy, would have been getting into the playoffs. What do you think of that?
2: Yeah. The college football playoff committee, they have to adjust. They're going to have to change their formula unless – they want to hurt college football. That's the only way I can see it because the landscape has changed. I, I, the premise made sense, right? Like you want to include the group of five they've shown over the last half decade that they at least deserve a seat at the table at a higher level. If you're going to expand to 12 teams from four, you're tripling the teams. They deserve a top seat at the table. They still deserve a top seat at the table, a top seat. But you're going to have to go to a five and seven model. You're going to have to go to a, to the top four conferences: SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Big Twelve. Those highest ranked champions they get in. Then you're going to go to your highest ranked group of five. That's your fifth. Then you're going to have seven at large. They have. They can't. They can't keep it at six and six. It's just not equitable anymore, Jimmy. There's been too much movement.
1: And and I believe you are correct, Andy. And they've I've already read that there's been some talk of this. What will be interesting is could they make the adjustment for the 24th season? Because I cannot imagine the powers that be in the Big Ten in the Southeast Conference would allow this. And that's where that spot is being stolen from. One of those two conferences – is going to lose out. Now, even prior to this readjustment, realignment, Andy, my feeling was adding Oklahoma and Texas to the Southeast Conference, adding USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington to the Big Ten. Previously, when we said, hey, 12-team playoff, this is great. A team like Penn State, who hadn't made it, it's a way for them to get in. But I'll tell you what, by loading those two conferences, it's not going to work out necessarily to their benefit. And again, I used the college football preseason poll to put this together. I put together what the 12-team playoff would look like, what teams based on that. I already mentioned Tulane and Troy getting in because of conference champions. Here's what I, who I had as the sixth team's, that other teams that would get in georgia michigan florida state and utah now a member of the big 12 would get in as conference champions the other uh six teams i had were alabama ohio state lsu usc penn state and clemson that's a pretty good list andy and would make for a pretty interesting playoffs right
2: except you can't have troy in there (laughs)
1: You can have one
2: group of five team. You give one of the group, the highest ranked group of five champion have do yourself a favor fans out there. Go look at the way the of the schools, the 12 schools in the mountain West as it's set up now. And it could change by next week. Look at the, the 14 schools in the AAC and look at those. It has to be weighted more for the big 10 and the sec. I'm not talking about at the top. I'm talking about after that. And we haven't even brought up Notre Dame making, you know, taking a spot somewhere as well, right? So it has to – in order for it to be an equitable college football playoff, it's what college football looks like now.
1: Well, here, Andy, Andy – Well, let me give some of the teams that didn't make it. You have Troy in this instead of Tennessee, Texas, Washington – Oregon, those are teams that don't make it because you're getting having this. Now, you know, the two points. One is one more can make it if you didn't do five or six conference champions and only did five. But how about looking at this in the bigger picture? I made the comment to you earlier this week. In the Southeast Conference, I can name you eight schools who think it's their birthright to be in a 12-team playoff. In this scenario that I just gave you, there are exactly three Southeast Conference teams that make it, and every other Oklahoma doesn't make it. Oh, by the way, you mentioned Notre Dame doesn't make it, but they're the independent. But Tennessee, Texas, Texas A and M, Ole Miss, Florida—they all don't make it. They're not going to be very happy, are they? They—they weren't going to be very happy.
2: I think they weren't going to be happy anyway because they're the SEC and they think they deserve half the field, right? Like, Oh, well, we're the SEC. We're better than everyone. We deserve half the field. I, I just think at the higher levels, the only way you can look at this is you have to get more big Ten as many big 10 and SEC schools in as possible without, you know, sort of, Bringing anything away from the best power five schools, the Big 12 champion, and the ACC champion. I think the rest can play itself out and will play itself out based on how many schools are in each conference now. And it's going to come down to the 10th, 11th, and 12th spot. And somebody's going to be 13th, and now somebody's fifth, right? They're still always going to have a fight, but it has to look unbalanced.
1: Well, Andy, remember in quarter number one, I asked you about the negatives of realignment. Is this not a negative where Texas and (laughs) Oklahoma in this scenario would not make the playoffs? And, you know, USC is going to have a tougher time making it in the Big Ten. So is Oregon. So is Washington. Are these teams going to come into the Big Ten and into the Southeast Conference and say, my goodness, if we wanted to make the playoffs, this wasn't the right decision to make.
2: Yeah, I, they didn't have a choice in the decision because they were going to lose money if they didn't. I mean, competitively, we talked about this a while back. Oregon's best path to the college football playoffs as a, in the 12-team scenario was through the Pac-12. There's no reason for them to go to the Big Ten because competitively, at the next level, their best chance is to stay in the Pac-12 and be the Pac-12 champion. That guarantees them a passage, path to the college football playoffs. It's harder here. But they were losing money by staying in the Pac-12 now. So they have no competitive choice anymore. The money is greater than the competition. And now it's going to be harder for those schools. It's going to be harder for USC. Think of USC, right? They're a huge national college football brand. They've got a really tough road to the 12-team college football playoff in the Big Ten. Um, And they're one of the premier programs in the nation. They have a tough road ahead of them in this conference.
1: Andy, and you and I have discussed this before, I know, probably on the air, I know we have off the air. Until now, the playoff committee had the easiest job in the world. It was easy. It you was lose easy. two games, you're out. Right. One loss, if there's multiple that you're deciding on, you give it to the Southeast Conference team first, then you give it to the Big Ten team, and you work your way down. Easy. They could have been done in two minutes. Now, here's the decision they're going to have to make. We talked about the schedule in the Big Ten Southeast Conference. They're so heavily loaded. Here you go. It is a 8-4 or 9-3 LSU versus a 10-2 LSU. Miami, or Florida State, or Clemson. What do you do? It can't be the same as it was, Jimmy.
2: It can't. College football, with this consolidation and realignment, has changed. The college football playoff committee better change with it. You have. It's not like it's developing or it might happen. You have two power conferences. You are still creating opportunity for your Big 12 champ, your ACC champ, through to make it into the college football playoffs. But if you do your two strongest power conferences the disservice of making it a level playing field simply by that, you're 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 watering down the college football playoffs.
1: So essentially what you're saying is these people are actually going to have to do some homework, yes. actually look at strength of schedule instead yep. of arithmetic which just said, "Oh, One loss is better than two losses. The one loss team will go in. The two loss team will not. It's not going to be that easy now with 12 teams. All right, Andy, that is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. TrustStateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're gonna love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.